to another episode of You'll Only Listen Twice, our Bond podcast, where we're taking a look at all the James Bond movies, both official and unofficial. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Jake, with my other hosts here as well. I, I still can't believe we're, we're still doing this podcast. I'm Troy. And I'm Jan. I usually have a quippy remark when I introduce myself, but since this movie's very bland, I assumed that I would just introduce myself normally, <laughs> so here I am. And because this movie uh, peaks early, I'll introduce myself right off the bat. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is producer Paul. That, that's interesting. I'm very curious to see what you mean by peaks early. Yeah, I, I'm both what you mean by a peak. <laughs> yeah, which, which thing? As, especially when Topol doesn't appear until like an hour into the movie. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't like Topol? I, I like... What's with this anti-topal hate? Hey, yeah, hey, why yeah, anti-topal? Easy. <laughs> I'm just referring to a certain delicatessen. <laughs> Alright, but Paul, remember, last episode, did we all do the homework and watch Flash Gordon? I did. Oh, good. Jan gets points. No, you didn't, Jan. <laughs> I saw it, uh... <laughs> In 2020, which is the year that we're currently in. <laughs> yeah. No, we had Christmas, Jan. It's 2021. Biden's the president. Oh, that's right, because Christmas already Happy happened. Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a crowd. No, no, no. I'm Happy, crowd. It's it's Valentine's Happy, Day already. Happy Pesach. Happy Passover. It's, uh, Happy it's at least uh, Valentine's Day, so uh, what better way to celebrate it with uh, the death of a loved one? <laughs> yeah. That, that's how we start this movie. <laughs> Uh, because today we're talking about For Your Eyes Only. For Your Eyes Only! I hate it. I hate this so much. I like it. Let's... <laughs> I, I, I don't assume there's many behind-the-scenes drama. Can we get yes, through that quickly? Yes, there quick is! Is there? Well, there was the... I mean, Jake, I don't know if you want to cover it, but this was the movie where Roger Moore was like, Replace me. I'll just go. <laughs> Just get me out. I'll go. <laughs> Finish it. it. Well, yeah, no, they wanted to go with a new direction for James Bond because, I mean, after Moonraker, you know, like, what can you do? Like, Bond going to, he it went to space. doesn't get better than that, yeah. Yeah. You can't, what are you going to do? He He's just like a wrinkled, like, trash bag by this point. <laughs> yeah. And the pigeon. I mean, the pigeon died of old age. So like, I know. He's outlived the pigeon. It was after that pigeon Roger Moore began to think about his mortality. Look at, look go, at like, Paul. Maybe... You, you, you hurt the man. He's, he's, so, he's so hurt. <laughs> that the pigeon is dead? Hypothetically, in the year 2023, they're going to have a funeral for Ed Gwen, who played Santa Claus in A Miracle on 34th Street, because they left his ashes in storage, and they're just going to bury him in the year 2023 but they had a little service with a dvd of miracle on 34th street and pictures of him and that's what i'm imagining paul with this pigeon it's like a moonraker dvd little little frame portraits of troy the pigeon. Is, this, is this real or are you just like being possessed and what are like, you just talking about words? i'm getting <laughs> you the future this happened on december 2nd 2020 december 2nd or december 3rd 2023. This is another installment of Troy Stradamus. Yeah, that is funny. My my mom uh, has told me like I love your podcast, but I cannot understand a word that guy Troy is. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm here. He sounds like the Charlie Brown adults. 
Myrna Loy. The Bible in the beginning. Anyway, so like we said before, today we are talking about For Your Eyes Only, a movie that was made. Uh, it was okay. It was made. It was released. It was seen by some. And that's the behind the scenes, folks. Let's get in. Uh, see you next time. We're, we're episodes done already. We're only five minutes in. Great. We yeah, it. we're doing better. Let's watch Link. Yeah, let's watch Link by uh, Richard Franklin. Link, 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 Link. Link is about a monkey that smokes a cigar. And no, yeah. Elizabeth Shue. It's the most charming movie ever made. is no longer in control. We could be talking about Link, but we're here for another 80s movie for your eyes only. So they were going to replace Roger Moore with Timothy Dalton. Who, who the fuck is that? He He's an actor. He was in The Lion in Winter. Uh, he's just some dirty Welshman. Wait, he was in Flash Gordon! Oh, yeah, he's the bad guy. He's one of the bad guys. No, he's, he no, he's an one ally. of the good guys. Yeah. He's Prince Baron. No, yeah, he's yeah, a bad yeah. guy in Hot Fuzz and The Rocketeer, but... Those are not Flash Gordon. And then none of those movies are for your eyes only. <laughs> the the bad guy is uh, Max von Sydow in Yellowface, right? Yes. An, a future Bond villain. Maybe sooner than we may imagine. No, shut up. Please. <laughs> I want to hear none about that. Enough of this nonsense. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they wanted to replace him, but I think that was quickly kiboshed. Because uh, they're just like, hey, Roger, do you want to come back again? And then finally he was like, okay. And they were handing off the reins to John Glenn, who we all know was the second unit director for Honor Majesty's Secret Service, amongst other Bond movies. And the editor. And the editor, yes. Yep, he another editor that got bumped up. So apparently before they gave him the job, they asked Terrence Young if he wanted to do it. And he's like, I'm busy. And they asked Guy Hamilton, do you want to do it? And he's like, I can't set foot on British soil because I won't pay my taxes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most classic James Bond crew member thing. I think they also asked Peter Hunt. And And Lewis Gilbert. They asked everyone. And they were all like, no. They asked everyone, yeah. Uh, Peter Hunt, I think, was working on Death Hunt at the time. Well, now, now we're... Stuck for like five movies with John Glenn. John Glenn, who seems like a very nice guy, but much like Roger Moore, <laughs> much like Roger Moore, he's like the most workman-like filmmaker out of all the out of all the James Bond directors. Go in, get the shots, get out. Actually, his trademark though is Bond scaling some sort of cliff or something, and then a pigeon pops out. That happens in every single John Glenn movie, and he admits it. He's like, that's my Hitchcock trademark, is uh, jump scare pigeons. <laughs> oh, all Paul's lighting up. <laughs> oh, I see him. <laughs> he's, like, he's so happy. Gonna restore John Glenn's uh, reputation. Reputa- as the pigeon master. In fairness to Glenn, these five James Bond movies he directs during the 80s, and only the 80s, um, they are the first five movies I think he ever made. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I mean, for what, as bland as this movie is, uh, as I think, uh, most of us will agree, 
This movie's not like poorly directed. No, it's... no, no. It's very competently done. No, I'm, yeah. we're not saying that John Glenn is incompetent. Like, he, no, he's he does the job. It's just that like there's no there's no uh, pizzazz, razzmatazz. Yeah. There's no pizzazz like no uh, Peter sauce. Hunt when he came in. Yeah, no clout, no paper. You know what he brings though? He brings a lot of zip. He really like shoots for the edit. Like that's what I noticed with this movie is uh, things just zipped by. Like that's actually why this time I was like, oh, have I misjudged you for your eyes only? Because this had so much more zip than Moonraker, which felt like people were just standing around. This is better than Moonraker, yeah. It is. This is, this is actually James Bond going to exotic locations and doing fun things. It's not just like him going to rooms. <laughs> Even with the love triangle with the child, like, this was still better than Moonraker. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. later. Somehow, we'll try to talk about it without getting demonetized. This is like live and I die all oh, over again. Oh, and also Michael G. Wilson back on the script with uh, Richard Maybaum. Yeah. Uh, and he was the one that spearheaded going, okay, we need to go back to Fleming. We need to go back to something that isn't about the gadgets, which is why Bond's Lotus blows up <laughs> in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Hope you have a car. We're gonna move on from that. We're gonna kill Blofeld in the first five minutes. Uh, Blofeld, who's not named, legally- No, but yeah, it's not Blofeld. Uh, legally saved bald arch nemesis. Because Kevin McClory was preparing his new franchise. No, don't mention it. Who don't, will return as Bond? Don't we can't say, say. It. Don't say it. Never say it, Troy, never. Never say it again. Say never again? We'll never <laughs> reference that movie again. No. Yeah, so uh, they wanted to bring Bond into the 1980s. At first, they were toying, yeah, with a new actor, but then they're like, no, let's play it safe. Because Timothy Dalton uh, hated the script, from what I've read, and who could blame him, honestly? It's just like pages. Yeah, just pages of words. I guess that's my, the problem with this movie, is that, the, that they, like, wanted to bring it back to, like, the grounded Bond, but it's also, like still kind of silly, like they didn't yeah. fully commit. So what you end up with is like one of the most passive movie experiences I've ever like gone through. Yeah, I would agree. Welcome to the John Glenn age of the Bond yes, movies. Yes, yeah. <laughs> What did we, did we say last week? I don't know if we said on the podcast, but we're like the early eighties are like objectively the worst period for James Bond. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> Did we say that? The Roger Moore era in general is like the hit or miss. Cause like when it hits, it hits. And when it misses, it fucking like misses. It's like yeah. the most boring thing ever. Yeah. Roger Moore made my two worst James Bond movies. And he made my two best James, like two of my top five best James Bond movies. Uh, this one is neither. Uh, no, this is right in the middle. Yeah. It's. It's not, I wouldn't even describe it as like a movie. It's just like, like when your desktop goes to sleep and like a little ball bounces around in your computer screen. <laughs> this is what this movie is. This is like, this is like uh, the videos they make for cats to watch. <laughs> yes. Well, I was thinking, I'm like the begin, the first note of For Your Eyes Only, the song kind of sounds like your computer starting up. <laughs> that's what they that's the noise roger moore makes every time they have to roll him out of the trailer <laughs> when they turn him on his eyes go yeah. up wide you know who thought this movie was the most exciting movie he had ever seen who is it roger ebert no 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 uh 
Robert Brasson. What? Really? Yeah, he said that. He's well, like, well, yeah, the motherfucker who shoots just like hands and donkeys. Of course, he's gonna think this is the best movie ever. Oh my god, the car's off the road. Oh, ah! it's like, oh my god, you, they're emoting. What the fuck? <laughs> they're making faces. Like he's like, this is the most exciting movie of 1981 I've ever seen. And I just imagine him leaning over at Louise Bunuel and going, "Oh wow, Carol Bouquet. She didn't move her face once. I like her." <laughs> well, is that a reference to that obscure object of desire? That came out a few years before. Yeah, that's what got her this movie. Yeah, she's great in that movie. She's uh, not so much so in so this. In this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. Mm. But we'll get to that. Yeah, so we got through all the behind the scenes drama. There was definitely not actual behind the scenes drama during the recording of this. No, no, we never have any Unlike Unlike Eon Productions, there is no one on our team who has consistent issues. I am not the Harry Saltzman of this podcast. I refuse to be labeled. <laughs> and, the Harry if you, and if you have, if, if you're hearing as well, you could notice that my mic is not working and I had to use my laptop today. So. We're all, it's, we're off to a great start. He's just joking. Silly Jake, shut the fuck up. <laughs> we're professionals. We're professionals. No, we it's we're just doing. a new mic he got and it's all finicky. I would never let that happen to you, Jake. Paul is such a good producer. He accounts for everything except what we don't tell him about and what we don't prepare him for. (laughs) So anyway, for your eyes only. Your eyes only. So yeah, so the whole point of this opening was to set up the new Bond, but... But they still did it anyway with this, this, what did you call him, Jan? A wrinkled bag? Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, oh my god, that the scene where he's like in that Cuban pool party and he just looks so old. (laughs) And like they have to make everyone else older to make it work, and it's like, ugh. It is the least sexy, sexy party I have ever seen in my life. That was my (laughs) only note while taking what when I was taking notes on this movie, the only note that I have for the entire movie is this is the least sexy, sexy party I have <laughs> yeah. ever seen in no, my it, life. It took me back to the trashiness of Diamonds Are Forever. I was like, oh, we're a whole, bit. old, old man, disgusting, uh, degenerate party. <laughs> yeah. And playing the most disgusting music ever. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he wearing like a sweater vest in it too? Which just... Something like that, yeah. But it's just like everyone's like dancing to 80s. Again, like, like just terrible like... 80s music. Terrible 80s Just like the 70s hit James Bond like a bag of bricks. The 80s hit it like a bag of bricks. Oh my God. Yeah, no, it's like we're fully into the 80s. Like when this movie starts, you're just <laughs> there like, There was oh, really crap. no transitions between these decades, was there? No, not at all. It was just like hard bang. We're yeah, in the much 80s like, now. Yeah, uh, Live and Let Die. The score comes in and it's like, it's hip. It's coral. Yeah. It's the 80s. It sounds like Autobahn <laughs> from uh, The yeah, Big Lebowski. Yeah. <laughs> Angelix is in the house. Yeah. First time I saw this movie, it really annoyed me. But second time, I'm like, oh, the 80s. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That doesn't bother me. It's just so weird. Like, Roger Moore, he's, he just looks so fucking rough. <laughs> well, and he, yeah, he's the first one to admit it because he didn't even want to do, like, the... The not romantic thing with the the underage Olympic woman. <laughs> that was a good call. I mean, it's pretty shocking to see uh, James Bond like urging a woman to put clothes on. 
but but you're also like oh thank god <laughs> like, well this is yeah this is the movie where james bond finally finds a woman that's too young for him yeah and oh boy that's yeah we're kind of already doing the autopsy of the movie as we begin but like the the two biggest issues this movie faces is that james bond's relationship doesn't work and the villain doesn't work. And that there, there are two of the biggest things that need to work in a James yeah. Bond movie. Yeah, they're kind of important. Well, uh, in the script, it already kind of seems like Roger Moore is already in like a fatherly role. Like, despite his age, he's like he's already like giving like sage advice on do not take revenge, even though the beginning of the movie, which we need to get it's to, but the revenge. beginning of the movie is him getting revenge for the death of his wife. <laughs> no, the, the whole plot of the movie is like the whole theme is revenge is bad but they just keep doing revenge with no repercussion <laughs> that's the whole issue with the movie the whole issue of the movie is seen in that pre-title sequence where you see bond at tracy's grave confirming oh yeah there's continuity like explicitly paul, paul? Yeah, the codename theory I mean, does that, not that exist could've, that could have been any Teresa, you know <laughs> it's <t> <laughs> but it said 1969 on the tombstone 1969 <laughs> they're the same person it is weird that she's buried, like, I definitely would have thought Teresa's dad would have had a big Italian, like, crypt for, like, that whole family. Like, they seem like the kind, so it is Yeah, well, because they were, like, drug like dealers or something, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what's even funnier? Oh, apparently, um... She didn't even die in England. Well, with the idea of that opening scene, apparently the, the, the choice of where the gravesite was was near a retirement home with a golf course. Because Roger Moore lived there. Yeah. <laughs> So they were going to go like, oh, well, uh, Roger Moore is uh, is old in the retirement home and now it's mo we're, we're moving on for more. And now there's this new guy. But then they changed it up or like it was supposed to be Wait, like so a subtle reminder in the be, background. It, what, is good, what, what, what does that mean? Like if, it would have been. A, That's the thing is that I'm not really guy. sure. They would have cast like a 30 year old looking at the grave of his dead wife from 12 years ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then there's a retirement that... home in the background. Don't think it. Feel it. <laughs> if you think this is ridiculous, just wait until they explicitly acknowledge Tracy in License to Kill. And you're still like, all right, we're pushing it. By the time you get to the Brosnan era, they really got to stay vague with yeah, the references. With the continuity, there. yeah. Yeah, because they're like, how long has this man been around? No, and like, you, you'd think, like, well, going back to like, how they decided to keep this like 75 year old man to be James Bond, you know? Usually a good trick is to like cast uh, one of his superiors as like an even older man. Like <laughs> at the new M should have been like 90, but it's like a, like a twink. <laughs> it's like- <laughs> Ah, there you are, 007. Bill Tanner's a twink? <laughs> yeah. He's it's... a sexy middle-aged British man. Wait, yes. yeah, Jan, no. what do you think a twink is? Just like a sexy middle-aged British man. <laughs> no! <laughs> what are you talking, like a twink in like a retirement home? <laughs> what yeah, I mean, I, I mean a twink in, in the James Bond universe where everyone is old and bloated. <laughs> Okay, well, speaking of the age thing, I also read on our trusty source, Wikipedia, that, spoilers, our villain, Julian Glover, um, yeah. Yeah. was at some point they thought about him for Bond. Yeah. And was it Broccoli or one of the producers said, well, back then he was too young. 
and now he's too old. Yeah. He's like eight years younger than Roger Moore. <laughs> Roger's like, by this point, he's like rocking the Donald Trump hair. He's yeah, like, yeah, no, it's the 80s. No, his hair is, gets like lighter as he gets older, which is, it's not white. It's like blonde. It gets like really red and blonde as he gets older. Yeah, it's yeah. completely blonde almost. And, and like, it's got so much like hair product to like hide his bold spots, yeah. uh, which is an interesting choice. <laughs> that they went there instead of just the classic Bond toupee. Um, well, I think Roger Moore clung to his hair for as long as he possibly could. Yeah, but you can definitely see, like, they're they're struggling to make him look... They're struggling, <laughs> but, like, we got three more movies of this. I've... This is like half of his tenure. He looks like this. I'm just so yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say about the opening apart from like the fact that it's like idiotic. What to say about the opening? You got Blofeld. Well, this. I mean, you got some insane helicopter stunts. Yeah, like going around this. uh, Yeah, those are gold. You got the priest saying, "Godspeed, James Bond." Yeah. Don't. Jan, if we if our attitude to this movie is I don't know what to say about this random crazy scene, <laughs> we're not gonna have an episode. <laughs> no, but like I think my problem with the the opening scene is uh you know it's meant to be like out with the old and with the new, you know, and we're going serious bond, but it's like counterintuitive because it's like the goofiest shit ever. Well, that's like the whole issue the with the movie is the movie's trying to be on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but it keeps defaulting back to diamonds are forever. Yeah, like it literally ends with a fucking like slide whistle of Blofeld falling in like, yeah. <laughs> He's going yeah. down the, the chimney. <laughs> Mr. <Yeah>. Bond! <laughs> Mr. Bond! And it's like, when the fuck did Blofeld have that accent? Like, what is going on? They were trying on? to do, like, Donald Pleasance and Telly Savalas at the same time. Like, it's weird. They did three very different takes on Blofeld. And then to make you realize it's Blofeld, they merge them all together in some Frankenstein blue. And why is he wearing a neck brace? I think that's like, a reference to Honor Majesty's Secret Servant. Yeah, it's supposed to be a sequel to that. And then he also probably got messed up in Diamonds. Here's the thing that I think is kind of nice, because John Glenn started out as the second unit director and editor of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, so... And bringing Bond back to the Ian Fleming roots, he used it as an opportunity to give, like, a nod to his friend Peter Hunt, who got him his first gig second unit directing and stuff so it's in that sort of way it's kind of nice to see him go like hey peter hunt you under Majesty's secret service wasn't a waste in a box office flop everybody likes it tip of the hat to you but yeah it has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the movie <laughs> it sets up the themes of the movie about revenge except it's well, the theme uh, of revenge it, it completely contradicts the entire theme of the movie well, like yeah. the whole idea of the movie i think is that james bond and yes the movie again one of its bigger failures is it doesn't know how to execute its theme but like i guess the whole idea here is that james bond feels he's been broken by revenge that he doesn't want someone else to be consumed by revenge but that would be something if we had like a scene where like bond is grappling with the fact that he's like well i dropped my arch nemesis down a chimney it has not and i feel nothing but, but also it doesn't have i'd like that. to point out james bond does not have revenge in this scene he is attacked and he acts out of self-defense to hook a guy up on a chair and then blofeld goes I'll give you a delicatessen in stainless steel! I'll buy you a delicatessen in stainless steel! And that's, pretty, that's pretty great. The, the, the most famous line in the entire movie, because everybody's like, 
Why the fuck would Blofeld give him a delicatessen? Did you find out? Yes, I did. Okay. Albert R. Broccoli said that gangsters in the 1930s would like offer delicatessens with stainless steel countertops. Oh, that's such bullshit. People. That's not yeah. the reason. <laughs> no, that's what he said is the reason. What makes it even funnier coming from Albert R. Broccoli going like, oh yeah, this is the thing that gangsters would say to each other when they're about to be whacked or something. It's bullshit. just like, how do you know that? Do you have experience in doing that? That's my question. Why are you telling it's, me it's this? It's such a pulled such out of insights? my ass answer. Read, like... read about Albert Broccoli in the 1930s, what he allegedly did. He's like, gangsters offering delicatessens is not science fiction, okay? It's science <laughs> fact. Uh, it, but it's such a weird quirk that I'm like, okay. But how do you know this? Who told you this? Did you experience this? What's amazing what is, is that on? this is supposed to be like the movie that tries to ground James Bond again. But this scene and the delicatessen line is what people always use as an example to point out uh, why Roger Moore movies are just insane, like <laughs> camp, you know? Yeah, no, that's the issue is you cannot ground Roger Moore's Bond. It is no. impossible. He is the fantasy, like cartoon version of James Bond. And like, that's what messes like... up the movie is if the movie had Bond, like if it opened like the good Casino Royale, and like it had him the like 67 cold. one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And it, if it had him blowing up Blofeld's Scottish estate and killing him, and then he was haunted by that. For no, the rest if he of the killed movie. himself by yeah. blowing up. <laughs> Blofeld killed Blofeld himself. Blofeld killed by blowing himself. up James house. <laughs> yeah. Which basically is the opening to Free Your Eyes Only. And and he and he has to go give his neck brace to Blofeld's wife. <laughs> yes, he has to go give the neck brace to Blofeld's wife. It's a family heirloom. It can only be regarded as a heirloom. And then he has to not have sex with Blofeld's daughters. But yeah, so we, we have this uh, fun, ridiculous scene, and then there's no transition to the opening credits. It's just like, boom, like, here they are. And Well, here's my conspiracy theory about that. My conspiracy theory is that the movie was supposed to start with the sinking of the ship. Yes. Oh yeah, because it's water. Because it's water themed. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it starts out with the sinking of the ship, Molina's family getting murdered, and then that right. zoom into the eyes, yeah, and then the that was supposed eye. to cut into. No, the you're beginning. totally right. No, that's what happened. But you know why they did the Blofeld thing? Also, like why that was such a last minute asshole. It was to get one over on Kevin McClory and kill the character off, so he couldn't <laughs> use him. <laughs> I'm not joking, Those like they basically have said that. Spite wins out in the end. I was gonna say that's one of the more interesting things is that Melina is not the greatest character ever, but she does get an introduction that's like her own sequence, you know? Yeah, yeah that's interesting. She had so much potential as this crossbow wielding badass whose parents are killed because they're trying to find this ship that has the British nuclear codes on it. And she is like this badass, and I think she could have been cool, but she's just, she's too young for Roger Moore. And John Glenn, I think the writer actually complained. He's like, John Glenn did not care about the love story, and he did not direct any love scenes. And There's he, like he no chemistry them. there. Like at the end when they start shagging is so out of left field. Well, it feels like it, like the relationship should be more like uh, Bond and Camille in Quantum of Solace, because that's kind of a similar thing where she's Ooh. I don't even remember that movie man so I can't <laughs> we'll get to it I kind of see I when I saw Quantum of Solace I'm like this is the improved second draft of For Your Eyes Only 
But now if they're watching For Your Eyes Only again. The movie without a script. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Again, two things That's in common. That's the thing I said. It, when, when, you're, when you're trying to make Bond give sage advice on the nature of vengeance, uh, it turns out for a kind of a meh movie. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah. like, the the opening credits, I think, are, like, so representative of the movie that we're going to watch because they're so, they're, like, nothing. Like, oh, I, I love, I like, I like, well, I look, it's, it's, we get to see Sheena Easton. Are you fucking kidding? Am I really in the minority that this song is boring? No, the song, <laughs> the song is definitely I like one the of the song better okay. ones. This, this was nominated for By an God. Oscar. The song is boring as fuck. No, the visuals are boring as fuck. Like it's, no, it's, it's such it's, a, it's, we get, it, we get the music video to the song. As yeah. the opening title sequence, again, which is the kind 80s of has hit Bond with a bag of bricks because I guess one of them was like, "Oh, you know, we should put this singer on screen," which I guess is kind of mean to the other the other musicians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Popo went to Paul McCartney. They were like, what? he wasn't he wasn't sexy enough to it's to intercut with uh, burning skulls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, but guys, did you read? Apparently, Sheena Easton. Okay, two things. Sheena Easton was tied to a chair in order to get yeah. these dollies. Her head was literally put in a vice. Yeah. Like she couldn't move in order for, because they were shooting it in 70 millimeter for all the effect shots. So if she moved a little bit, she would go out of focus. So then Maurice Bender put her in a vice basically to keep her still enough so that they can get focus so they can get the plates to put her over them. It's so interesting that they opted for like Abu Dhabi torture methods to shoot like one of the lamest opening sequences in the series. It's not lame. It's, it's honestly, it's cool. As Roger Moore said, I think Sheena Easton's the sexiest part of any of my Bond movies. I wish we had a Bond girl like her in my movies. And I'm like, okay, Roger. Oh, she was 21 at the time. Yeah, and this is look, the, I this guess. This is coming from the same guy who's like, I don't know if I can get with these younger women at this point. This is ridiculous. Well, Roger Moore was also like, I don't know if I can kill people as James Bond anymore. Which, as we learned in a later <laughs> movie, Spectre, uh, you shouldn't do. <laughs> like, Bond's hey. arc should not be, I shouldn't kill people. <laughs> yeah, it's great when a movie has a script and develops its themes. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> no. But the thing is, this is a James Bond movie. James Bond movies can be real uh, movies. Here, here, at least he's saying there's nothing wrong with killing. Just revenge is bad. Only only Bond can kill people. Killing no, Topol can also kill people. That, but not, not in the movies. In real life, too. We, we give Topol the... <laughs> Topol can kill me if he wants, okay? Topol gets the pass. That's um, why it's called Fiddler on My Dick. <laughs> uh... Fiddler on my dongle. Fiddler <laughs> <laughs> on my dongle. <laughs> why, why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous? <laughs> if I were a hungry man. All day long I'd bitty bitty bomb. You may ask, how did this get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. Guys, you talk about Fiddler on the Roof. It's more interesting than uh, your eyes only. Oh, Fiddler on the Roof is one of my favorite movies of all time. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but I mean, I'm Jewish. So. My my dad actually proposed to my mom at a production of Fiddler on the Roof, which is hilarious because she doesn't like Fiddler on the Roof. 
Oh, oh why'd he do that oh. then? Because he likes Fiddler to, on the Roof. To, to distract her, to give her something, you know, to look forward to. <laughs> something to think about. No. Something to, to drink about. about. <laughs> drink Lechaim to life. Okay, for your eyes so, only. All right, for your eyes only. Jake, is, Wikipedia didn't say anything about this, but Melina is dubbed, yes? Yes. I don't. Is she? Is she? she is. I, I read know. that up. She is the last main Bond girl to be dubbed. Who dubbed her? Uh, some Roger Moore. You're going to make me look this up, Jake? <laughs> no, I didn't know that she was dubbed. Or for, I didn't know that someone else dubbed her. Okay, Melina. Well, yeah, because she couldn't Because she English. still sounds French. She's supposed to be a Greek person, but she sounds French. And she's... No, she's, uh, she's British Greek. Carol Bouquet is not French? Interesting. Wait, she is. No, 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 she is French. You're English, but I'm half Greek. And Greek women like Electra always avenge their loved ones. You know what because if they used AI to replicate Bernard Lee's voice for her so we still feel her pres his presence in this movie? <laughs> Good God. Wait, so your point is that you wouldn't use Bernard Lee to be like a voice on a phone, but you'd have her have him dub over. Yeah, Carol Bouquet. <laughs> It's the way to make him feel like he's still with us. It's like uh, uh, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, you know, the same yeah, people. Exactly. Keep... <laughs> Every woman that Bond meets is just Bernard Lee. It's a reincarnation of Bernard <laughs> In the short story, For Your Eyes Only, Bond goes to avenge the Havelock's murder on behalf of M. It's a personal mission. Yeah. Because M's friends with them. But that's not what happens in this movie because Bernard Lee was dying. So this is our only endless James Bond. But we get yeah. Bill Tanner, the, uh, as Jan said, uh, Bill the British twink. <laughs> the British twink. British twink, Bill Tanner. You were meant to question Gonzalez, not let Miss Havelock perforate him. <laughs> also, uh, a side note on the short stories. Uh, this is based on Free Rise Only and Risico. Is that how you pronounce it? Risico. 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 Yes. Yeah. Uh, they, well, everybody's one. been going like, whenever there's a Bond movie in development, they're like, obviously, they're going to call it Risico, Risico. Right? That's what I would uh, do. But I'm like, but they already adapted Risico into. Well, this. they adapted, they, they made a movie called Moonraker, but that wasn't Moonraker. Yeah, but it had the moon in it. <laughs> there's the, the moon's not in the book Moonraker. Well, can we rewrite it so that we can put the moon in Moonraker? They did. There's a Moonraker novelization. Oh, yay! Yeah, it's called James Bond and Moonraker, written by Christopher Wood. Wait, Moonraker's like a guy? No, well, no, Moonraker <laughs> is Moonraker, the, the space shuttle okay. built by Hugo Drax. Not to be confused with Moonraker built by Hugo Drax in the novel Moonraker, which is an ICBM. But Moonraker is not For Your Eyes Only, which is the movie that we're talking about right Did you now. know in the original script for For Your Eyes Only, Jaws was supposed to show up with his wife and be like, I'm retired, James. But then Aww. they were like, I knew that he was supposed to show up. I didn't know that it was that he was going to be with his wife. I would assume that they would have just used him again. That's nice. Oh, boy. Anyway, my point with the short stories is that they were written to be episodes of a James Bond television show. Oh. And that fell through. And uh, Ian Fleming just decided to put uh, turn them into uh, short stories and later published them in Free Rise Only. That's one of my favorite James Bond content is the short stories. I really like the Octopussy one. Anyway, back to the movie. I wanted to talk about Bill Conti really quick. Okay. Because Who's that? I'm a huge fan of Bill Conti. I love yeah. the score to Rocky. Rocky. Uh, Karate Kid, uh, amongst others. I fucking hate the score. 
It's I awful. Fucking hate it. It's fucking it is so bad. <laughs> it's just it feels like like a the disco didn't die. Even though this is like an 80s, everything else about this movie seems 80s, but this is like reeks of like late 70s, like you're in like a cocaine-filled like like den, basically, and mm-hmm. people are like yeah. dancing with their fucking sidebirds and suits. It's like I'm like no, this isn't this isn't right. It's very intense for an oddly laid back film. Yeah, and yeah. you have like weird disco music, like especially during the the, the car chase, mm-hmm. the, the 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 Castle Cagliostro car chase in the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah. being scored with like uh, like unused takes from like Rocky Three. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I don't like the score, but like, I mean, do we even need to talk about the plot because it's like super? Ba- it, it, this is literally just your classic James Bond goes against the Russians. Um, no, I wouldn't say it's the classic. This is the first movie with a twist villain. Yeah, it, which is why Cristados kind of sucks as a villain. Yeah, because that's you why don't he know he's work. a villain until an hour and a half way through. He's it's like oh, this evil looking Greek man that looks like the devil. The twist is that he's the bad guy. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, yeah, but in a James Bond movie, Jan, by the standards of a James Bond movie, that's and like the thing is, is that we've seen a villain played by Crispin Glover. Uh, uh, not Crispin Glover. God, I'm horny. <laughs> Glover. <laughs> that would be a Mr. Wint. Mr. Wint. That's <laughs> Mr. Wint. Yeah, no. Uh, no, but uh, Julian Glover, we already seen him be a twist villain in a better movie and a better villain in uh, Last Crusade. Yeah. Basically, Cristados and well, Walter Donovan are the same. we've already seen it, but yeah. uh, at the time, that hadn't happened yet. So It hasn't happened yet. So, it. I mean... I was thinking about this while watching the movie because, yeah, everything, the whole movie's like a mystery. Like, James Bond has to figure out who's the agent who is trying to get the nuclear codes from the sunken submarine to the Russians. And you track down, like, the assassin of Melina's parents who gets killed in a very confusing crossbow bolt diving incident where she shoots him with a crossbow. Then there's the guy who was at the party who actually is who James Bond is kind of following and fighting for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Then you get the Chris Tados. And I, I, as we've said before, you got to nail the Bond girl and you got to nail the Bond villain. And I actually think I'm going to make a bold claim here. They're not the worst, Troy. Come on. No, I'm making the claim. Oh Putting my aside my issues of Mr. Big, I think Chris Tados is the worst James Bond villain. Of all time? Whoa. Uh, in oh. the movies. Yes, I actually think he functions mm. the weakest. I'd, I'd, I'd have to think about that, but... There are uh, worse movies, but all the villains work better in them than Chris may, Maybe does. so far, it's def- may, he may be the blandest one, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Yeah, he's not memorable, he's not fun, he somehow has this awful ice skating coach subplot <laughs> that derails the frickin' movie. James gross. Bond has something with like bobsleds and skiing. Like, it's like. Well, yeah, because they're like Honor Majesty's Secret Service. The whole movie is like, remember Honor Majesty's Secret Service? Do you remember it? Do you remember yeah. it? And I'm like, leave me alone. Yeah, we want to do Honor Majesty's Secret Service minus the romance. <laughs> yeah, the one thing that we liked about that movie. Yeah, all the love scenes between Bond and Melina are like, did you get the file? I sent yep. that to you in an email. <laughs> no, it's and it's it's one of those James Bond movies where, like, when they're talking about the plot, you can just, like, check out. Like, it's like, 
they're talking about nothing. It's just like, did you get the transcoder for the thing for the nuclear? And it's like, this does not matter. <laughs> like, I do want to mention related to the villains. Like, I do love the fact that they reuse the set for the Russians from The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, yeah. Gogol's back. That's the best part of the movie. Gogol's back. But I in this movie, like, it really m makes you miss, like, how The Spy Who Loves Me is shot, you know, because yeah. that set looks so much cooler in that movie. Yeah, I think this is the first movie they did without Ken Adams, like, in a while. Like, he's not coming back. Like, Ken Adams is gone. No. So you're like, oh, remember Ken? Oh, also, can we ask, before we go into the ask, what, what do we think of the Money Penny scene? Because, like, not just Roger Moore's starting to look old as fuck, but, you know, Money Penny, yeah, when, everyone... when, when they're, like, flirting, I was, like, watching it through my fingers. Like, I was so scared that they were going to start boinking. It is age-appropriate <laughs> flirting. Well, exactly. It's just it's yeah. in, in a retirement home. Near the cemetery. <laughs> it's like, don't... would you... <laughs> like... Wait, you know what I noticed this time? I forget if we're still keeping track of this. They do the hat thing. Yeah, no, that's yeah. what I was about to say. The hat comes back. They really emphasize it. That's the only thing I noted about that scene is she like is like doing her makeup or something in the mirror and then yeah. rack focus, the hat lands. The hat. Yeah, it's awesome. And we're like, what? But then it's like horrifying. Two 80-year-olds are going like... <laughs> like putting I mean, their I'm glad that they like other. each other because I just felt like he didn't like Money Penny. No, but yeah. that's the thing. It's like this is the first time that we see genuine flirting with Roger Moore and Money Penny, but it's when they're seventy-eight. So, yeah, like I mean, by the time we get to the next movie, they're already like, "Here's here's young me. Remember this is a young me? Bond yeah, Jan. <laughs> it's sure." But anyways, the yeah. Alps, I guess. <laughs> well, the one thing I want to note about the the car chase is that he gets he's like. I hope you have a car, and they and they gets in a little uh, Citroen, like almost a Beetle. Yeah, it's like Mission Impossible. Exactly. Well, I, I was gonna uh, say Castle of Cagliostro. <laughs> either either one, take your, your pick. Your basic but they, car chase, but like rules. car chase is always better with a tiny car that always. gets completely beat up. They flip it over a bunch of times. And I think when he looks at it, doesn't the score do like a wah wah kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, it does. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing with the movie. It's like, it, it's constantly being like, this is the serious bond. And then it does like, <laughs> can, I, can I say, like, while this movie is broken on a story level, this watch, I kind of got what Brisson was talking about. With like the car chase, and like like when it, when the movie's doing stuff like the car chase and it's just zipping, it was fun. It was moving. It was. I mean, despite the the Bill Conti music, it's fine. Glenn has yeah. interesting angles. No, I, I enjoy that car chase. I, I know that that part is really fun. Yeah, this movie truly is a, a sculpting in time. It uh, is sculpt like Linus stating in that tweet. Was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Jan's uh, mom is gonna get that reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyways gets to the alps uh he meets christados who's sponsoring a teenager named bb yeah bb doll a reference to the 1956 tennessee williams eli kazan maybe not tennessee williams but definitely eli kazan movie baby doll about an underage child bride oh yeah damn okay <laughs> go on it, it's funny so the producers see roger moore getting older and they're like you know what we should have him do now that he's super old 
have him say how much he doesn't want to have sex with children. With children. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, in the in the commentary for this movie, Roger Moore was like, "Man, I'm I'm the ambassador of UNICEF. Like I I can't be doing this shit." <laughs> <laughs> Every time Roger Moore walks into set, he has to like call UNICEF and apologize. <laughs> He's like, "I'm sorry." This movie is like, have you guys ever seen the Burt Reynolds film Gator? Burt Reynolds is Gator, and inside of 10 minutes, he's going to destroy 14 boats. He's going to wreck dozens of cars. Blow up a motel. A man of stamina, strength, and boundless energy, the one and only Burt Reynolds. Now, we know you're in there. We're coming to get you, Gator. We've talked about it on the podcast before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah so we the have. whole point yeah, of Gator. I, it's the second it's time we, congratulations, we mentioned Gator starring Burt Reynolds twice. Woo! Check it off on your bingo sheets, folks. Gator, Gator. Anyway, if you watch the movie Gator, Burt Reynolds, it's like he had a contract that the movie is about all the things that Gator hates. So Gator hates racism, Gator hates drugs, and Gator hates sleeping with underage children. And he brings it up a lot. So, so Gator's him, a man, not like an alligator. No, he, but he lives in Louisiana, so legally he also counts as an alligator. Okay. He has the same rights as an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he broke, he broke out the of same uh, legal status. farm. <laughs> Every gator's entitled to his uh, bowl of gumbo. Uh, James oh, yeah. Bond had to jump oh, over gumbo. him in, the, in Little But wait, what was, what was the point of Gator? Burt Reynolds is Gator. And inside of 10 minutes, he's going to destroy 14 boats. He's going to wreck dozens of cars. Blow up a motel. A man of stamina, strength, and boundless energy. The one and only Burt Reynolds. Now we know you're in there. We're coming to get you, Gator. <laughs> so the point of Gator is he's not a pedophile. Much like this plot in Pretty Eyes Only. <laughs> okay. You could have picked so many other characters. Oh, no, but Gator says it a lot. He like looks into the camera and goes, I do not sleep with underage children. And I'm like, okay, Gator. So does uh, like Mr. Incredible. Yeah, every... <laughs> All right. So James Bond does a lot of skiing. It's very haphazard because there are people chasing him, and then they stop, and then they chase him, and then they stop, and then he's on. Oh, a but, oh, wait, wait! All right, so question: So the guy chasing him is the boyfriend of the girl who keeps getting naked in his bed and is a no, child. No, no, no! It's not the boyfriend. It's just like another guy that she has a crush on, who's oh, like okay. the Russian yeah. uh, sharpshooting Olympic sharpshooting champion. So they're not even part of the conspiracy, are they? Yeah, he's one of the. He's also a KGB agent who's facilitating the exchange of the MacGuffin device. Oh, okay, to so the it's Russians. another one of those classic. These people, oh, they're they're part of it too. Oh, yes. You know. Now, question: So the guy chasing James Bond, does he have a gun in his ski, like in the Spy Who Loved Me? No, that's his Olympic firing rifle. That he okay. I, I, I don't know. That like I said, like I'm very checked out during this movie, so oh, I can't really. Oh, and Charles Dance is one of the guys who chased James Bond. Important, yes. This is his first movie role. I checked IMDb, and you know, of course, people will know him from uh, whatever Game of Game of Thrones. Thrones. The lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of the sheep. But I also looked up Mank. Mank. 
everybody knows oh, him. That's the thing I was gonna say. I like to think that he's here because he's looking for Mang. He's following Mank. Mank. He's chasing Mang. Unfortunately, this is not a Mank script. Yeah, it's like no. waiting for Godot, but it's like waiting for Mank. <laughs> but Mank never shows up. never shows up. That's the real tragedy of this movie is Charles Dance dies and he never gets to meet Mank. The other thing I learned on IMDb, though, Jake, did you know this? He he played Ian Fleming in a TV movie. Yes, I did. I think it's called Goldeneye or something. Like yeah. That. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I watched the beginning of it, and he, he does a pretty good job uh, recreating, because uh, I think the beginning of the movie is a uh, recreation of this CBS interview he did. And uh, it was a pretty good job. Okay. He's a lot more evil looking than Ian Fleming. I mean, Ian Fleming was an evil person. He but, was like, a despicable man. <laughs> he's a despicable man, but like Charles Dance just like looks like a villain. Like, but Ian, but Ian Jake, Fleming didn't like, have a villain so look. <laughs> Enough of this liberal revisionism. <laughs> have you seen pictures of Ian Fleming, Jake? He always has a Cruella DeVille cigarette holder and a gun. Mm. It, there's something scarier when it's Charles Dance doing that, though. <laughs> Charles Dance just looks like a bad guy. Charles Dance would be a good M, I feel like. Oh, oh he I was going to say he'd be a great a Bond villain, and he should be specifically seeking revenge for getting killed in Four Your Eyes Only, and the new guy is just like, what? You, you tie everything back together. <laughs> he visits his wife's grave, the new guy, and it says from 1942 to 1969 <laughs> yeah. on Tracy's grave. Wait, wait. Okay, so question. So Tracy is Italian and buried in an English cemetery. Unfortunately, yes. Vesper Lind is an English woman in No Time to Die buried in an Italian cemetery. Why? How do you know that? So I think John Glenn's direction in the ski sequence, again, it, it's very cool. You get like POV shots from behind the rifle, like a sniper's eye view of Bond. He, he's bringing some unique directorial tricks to the table. No, he's a good director. Like we said, there's just no... No sauce. Nothing particular like this he's, movie's doing. He's not goaded with the sauce. Although, yeah. I will say, I mean, one, one of the most electrifying scenes in this movie is when uh, uh, Bond is just standing there next to um, guys, scary men playing hockey. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. dogma for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that is the first scene in the movie where you're like, okay, this, is, this does kind of feel like a classic James Bond fever dream. <laughs> Yeah, that whole <laughs> hockey scene, and that's kind of, again, it's the movie in a nutshell, it's like, it feels so gritty, and, like, it's not played for laughs. It's, like, gritty and grounded. What are you talking about? He fucking hits them into a goalpost, yeah, and then he it's, does. like, he, and they, it's he, scored, they score. But it's shot dark. Scored, and then he hits the guy with a Zamboni. I agree with Troy. Uh, like, I, I think that <laughs> that scene is, like, extremely, like, sinister, <laughs> like, the way yeah, that it's Yeah, like, presented. it's so weird. It should be a joke. <laughs> But it's not shot like a joke. It's like the Ninja Turtles cartoon where it's just like, yeah. oh, there's a scary bad guy, but then it's like, boink. I mean, it's, what's happening is ridiculous, but it's presented very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning, and then it gets silly. <laughs> Which is, which kind of goes to the problem that we're having with this movie. That, like, exactly. It wants exactly. to be serious. Oh, wait, we didn't mention Q's uh, base device. Wait, yeah, because that's, that's like, it, they're taking it so seriously, like, reconstructing this guy's face on this computer and it's literally like that's from goldfinger the book but, but it doesn't matter it's it's literally like a like a meme maker from the Wii. 
It is. From the Nintendo <laughs> Wii. It's basically a police sketch. They invented police sketching. Like, but it looks like shit. And, 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 and James Bond is going like, hmm, yeah, that's the guy. And it's just like a smiley face with glasses. <laughs> no, it's so funny. And then Q keeps fucking it up and the nose is getting like too long. He's like, whoops, <laughs> sorry. And then it like hard cuts and they're like there for hours. And then like the Q's assistant is giving them coffee. She's like, I'm going to, you need me to lock up? No, I'll lock up. That's my favorite detail is it's a bustling office and then there's still like eyes a little further apart and nobody's there and it's empty and it's dark and it's like, oh, they, they made a, a they made a crude uh, three dimensional cartoon. It looks it's like, have you seen that guy that, like he shows a police sketch in like the news and it looks like a Charlie Brown like doodle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that could be a crackhead. Could be a crackhead. <laughs> it's like it's like that. I just imagine James Bond going like, have you seen this man? And it's it's just like a smiley face. <laughs> the, the, you're talking about the leprechaun guy? Yeah, the, the leprechaun guy. <laughs> Troy, you said this is the worst um, villain, and I will say this is the worst henchman. <laughs> the leprechaun guy? Could be a crackhead. Yeah, he's fine. The, 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 the guy with the glasses. He's just me. He's just the white guy with glasses. Yeah, but that's why he's scary. It's like, I, am I scary? Had, <laughs> why, if you had Jan like following you around a ski slope with a gun, I think what this movie does well is it handles small firearms and crossbows great. Whenever someone's carrying a little gun, it feels like they're carrying a dagger. So they're like chasing each other through the ski slope and they're like sneaking in, sneaking around. And it's like, it's very cloak and daggery at parts. Even though it's ridiculous, they did try to make it feel like more like a spy thriller. Yeah, no, it's yeah. attempts were made. It's fine. What's not cool is when children get naked. What is cool is when he puts clothes on her and then he doesn't quip about buying her ice cream. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna remind you that you're very young. Don't you like me? Why, I think you're wonderful, baby, but I don't think your Uncle Ari would approve. Him? He thinks I'm still a virgin. Yes, well, you get your clothes on. I'll buy you an ice cream. And it's weird because they imply the villain is maybe in love with her too, or is that her doing another joke about how all men are in love with her? Um, it's not clear. Know. Yeah, it's just uh, At this point, we know that Christatus is the villain, so if he was also... Do we? Yeah, no, but like when she says that thing, it's when they're in the when they're in the the, oh. the the monastery at the end. Oh yeah, when she says it in the movie, which is like with ten minutes to go. Yeah, right. Want to win the gold medal? We all want that. I know what you want, but you're too old for me. So then you find that out, and you're like, oh, he is even more of a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's awful. He sucks. Oh, did we talk about that cool moment in the hotel room where Bond like sprays hair mist, and he gets like a name of like an informant? Oh yeah, that's that's oh, kind of that cool. Was cool. When he meets up with Italian Inspector <laughs> Clouseau. Yeah, that but but that's pretty much all of this movie is just like remember this, and I'm like, um, oh yeah, I kind of do. That was cool. What's that? Like, and then he gets like, killed. He gets killed after the hockey uh, assassins try to kill Bond. Like Bond yeah. goes to his car, and then he's like dead. And he has a little dove, where because they're trying to frame Cristados, because mm -hmm. that's like his trademark. Oh yeah. Uh huh. And uh, then he gets a scene with Carol Bouquet where he spews uh, revenge, like sage wisdom, and it's boring as fuck. There's no chemistry there. The Chinese have a saying, before setting out on revenge, you first dig two graves. 
And yeah. like, I feel like Carol Bouquet, like, she's not really involved in this plot at all. She just keeps, like, showing up. She just like, keeps popping in, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she just keeps popping in. I still want revenge. Don't get revenge. It's not good. You can't tell me what to do. Like, when, the, when they're fucking scuba diving and he and, and Roger Moore just shows up, I'm like, where the fuck did you come from? Like, it's, you know, he just well, he shows up. he needs to go to her because I guess her dad invented the device. And so she knows the coordinates of where the ship uh was sunk from the beginning yeah of the movie, but i don't so know it's like the MacGuffin. we learned very few lessons from the spy who loved me how yeah it's cool when the bond girl is on the mission with him and isn't just some random <laughs> lady and that what's pops weird up every is hour like, they have all the ingredients for that right there like on paper she should be like the most invested bond girl but then the movie just goes eh yeah just nothing. Yeah, we gotta do the Gator subplot. Burt Reynolds is Gator, and inside of ten minutes he's going to. No, 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 no. <laughs> we gotta do James Gator Bond. Shows I already talked about Gator. No, that, that's 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 Live and Let Die. That's the Gator subplot. Actually, they took something from the book Live and Let Die for this movie when her and Bond get like dragged behind the boat. That's the big finale to the book Live and Let Die. Oh yeah, mm. that's true. Except the book to Love and Let Die, the ending is a lot more violent. And probably racist. Yes. Then how Dr. Kananga dies, the ending is more violent. So, uh, well, Bond puts a mine on the boat while they're dragging him. And they're dragging him across the coral reef. And he's like timing it. I was like, hopefully I won't get too cut up and like get eaten by Barracuda before like the, uh, you know, like before the boat blows up. And then finally the boat blows up and then everybody dies horribly. And then... There's like this description of Mr. Big getting like eaten. They say like his hand popped up, but there was no wrist <laughs> attached. And then his oh, head popped up, but nice. there was no body attached. Notice how we are not talking about for your eyes only. <laughs> because it's this movie's it's not much to talk about. It's one of those. Well, wait. I well, mean, yeah. So James Bond, we're at the point in the movie where James Bond puts on the tuxedo, goes to the casino, and he meets Topol. Topol, woo! And it, you know who Topol's girlfriend is in this movie? Pierce Brosnan's wife. It's Pierce Brosnan's wife. The one that died? Yes, the one that died. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Does this make Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan's wife the only Bond having a pairing with another Bond's wife? I guess so. But who cares? What do we think about Topol? <laughs> oh, Topol's amazing. Topol's it's incredible. It's so funny because when Topol shows up, you're just like, he is obviously not the villain here because <laughs> it's Topol. Yeah, exactly. And we love Topol. <laughs> and like, I love it when he's like, when he goes back into his office and he's listening in on Cristadas and Bond's conversation where Cristadas is obviously not the villain here going like, you know, uh, Topol might be evil. Oh no, his name is Columbo. But I must warn you, stopping Columbo will be difficult. He has important connections. You cannot just arrest him. You must find a different way. You may have to kill him. And we're like, no, he is, and he's Topol. I don't know. <laughs> Whenever I see Topol in a movie, I start like tearing up. He's like <laughs> our Sidney Poitier or something. He's like... <laughs> I, I just imagine the ghost of Zero Mostel like haunting Jan now. He's like, you compliment Topol. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I love you, Zero, but you got nothing on Topol. Topol? Is Topol is one of the best Israeli exports ever. It's like Topol, Hummus, and Waltz with Bashir. Those are the big three. <laughs> oh wow! I, I didn't know Waltz with Bashir was. Uh... That's pretty good. It's a really good movie. Have you seen Topol's first movie ever? No. 
What is it's it? It's called. It's one of the weirdest movies ever I've ever fucking seen. It was made by Menachem Golem. It's called uh, another really good Israeli export. Another great Israeli export. Only they produce so many great artists. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's a movie called uh, Salah Shabbati. I think it is. And it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen because it's like Menachem Golem making a weird movie. No, I know. No, I and then, but this might be the weirdest one. Like it's it's this like farcical comedy, it, like in the style of like a Blake Edwards like farce. But it's about uh, the Yemenite refugee crisis in Israel, and it's like, what the fuck am I watching? And that's last time I saw a movie like that, it was. Casino Royale. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like... But yes, Topol, I mean, it's hilarious because, yeah, this is our first, like, twist villain, quote-unquote, and it's and, and the twist is Julian Glover being this sinister goateed man. Uh, a goatee almost as sinister as Neil Connery's, actually. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm not the villain. You gotta go after this guy. And then he shows up, and it's uh, our boy Columbo, and he's like, I'm not the bad guy. It is Christatos you want, not me. He told you about himself. And he's like, I, clearly you're right. But yeah, Topol is amazing. I, I don't know, he just, he has a very kind presence. I love his voice. Um, he's just nice. Like, this character's nothing, but it's one of those, like, he's an actor that literally doesn't have to do anything for you to like him. He has effortless charm. Topol, like, well, his whole character here is he's like, everything got stolen from him. Like, his World War II medals got stolen from... Is that the war they're talking about? Did all these people fight in World War II when they're talking about how, like, Cristiano screwed him over? very old people, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 80s! What are you... What are they doing? What year is this? Just the implication that Topol smuggles heroin is immediately like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> but just drugs. No, he doesn't he say at one that. point, he's like, he I don't kill do people or international espionage. He He's ethical with like his criminality. And we're all like, okay, Columbo. He also works with the CIA, the Mossad. The Mossad? Well, Q says that. Wait, yeah, is that, isn't that what we're talking about? Oh, wait, it, yeah, who says it? Is it Topol or is it Q? The Mossad? Well, it's hilarious because when they pull up their cartoon, um, like, uh, Pictionary, whatever you call it, uh, computer q says they're accessing like basically all the major intelligence data oh yeah you're right it could be q we can find a match by patching into the photographic files of the surete interpol cia the mossad <laughs> and it's like why do you say it like that the mossad so um, good old q anyway um they meet they point guns at each other and they're almost immediately like yeah we're, we're down we're cool come on my raid and we're gonna kill the glasses guy does he meet him before or after Glasses Guy has killed uh, Pierce Brosnan's wife, who I regret, I don't know her name, but she gives a good performance and she probably should have been the main Cassandra Bond Harris. Yeah. Cassandra Harris should have been the main Bond girl. I think it's before. I mean, this is part of the problem with the movie. It's like there's the sequence of events is so like unimportant. It feels like <laughs> like you sort of forget where it's we're It's not going to cause an effect. That's the thing. No, it's hilarious yeah. <laughs> that, you know, the when the editors are directing, somehow cause and effect and pacing like just kind go of melt the window. Away. Yeah. Well, yeah, like pacing goes out the window, but it's weird because like the specific action scenes, like the focus is all just on the action scene. Right, well, that's the thing. There are some great action scenes and I'll And say, like the beach you know, action scene works well where Columbo's men rescue Bond, but they don't rescue Pierce Brosnan's wife. Yeah, it's a good scene. But the, like, when he kills the glasses guy, like, that's... 
I think, I think that's supposed to be like tying in with the revenge theme because he's getting revenge on that lady, but like he doesn't seem particularly broken up about her when she dies. I actually would argue Roger Moore brings a natural like emotional investment, but stoic. I think he does that very well. And I actually, I actually think he does it better than Timothy Dalton, who I feel gets too emotionally worked up about people who die. There's like False. a balancing act where more I'm back to say Troy do not diss the Welsh <laughs> hey he, I looked it up he just was born in Wales he's not actually Welsh he's not Tom Jones no okay. he's Welsh yeah they kill a lot of guy and then they, and then they he just and Melina's back and again you're breaking up the spy who loved me rule of once you've met the main Bond girl you should try to be Right, Somewhat and then it's it's her. it's kind of just random. Like it's kind of cool, but it's it is random. Like their whole like we're gonna go diving. Oh no, there's a guy. Oh no, there's another guy. Are we talking oh, about no. the yeah. submarine scene? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that scene. All the dead bodies. Everyone's in a giant freaking suit, like fighting each other. That was fun. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> not my favorite, but I think what to what you were saying, Troy. Like I think there would be a really cool way to do this movie which is where you have Carol Bouquet and you make her obviously, first of all, a more interesting uh, character and a love interest, you know? And you direct her. And you direct her and she's talking about revenge and James Bond keeps telling her like, no, revenge is bad. But then she gets killed by Glasses Guy and we're emotionally invested in this woman and we know that James Bond is emotionally invested yeah. in this woman. And then Bond himself has to grapple with his own morality about revenge because he wants to get revenge on these people. And it also reminds him of uh, when Tracy died, you know? So it could have been yeah. way more interesting than what it we got. Been good. Jan, it is interesting you bring up the idea of a much better Bond movie where someone is killed, James Bond meets a young woman who wants revenge for that person, who then gets killed, and James Bond has to beat the bad guy, and it's called Goldfinger. And look, we all wish we were watching Goldfinger, but we're not. We're watching. You know what's even funnier? I know. <laughs> uh, we were talking earlier about when uh, Columbo's mistress gets killed. You guys said that he doesn't really care. I'm like, he kind of cares. And then the yeah. next scene is when they raid uh, Cristados' warehouse, and then he has the confrontation with the glasses guy. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that you kind of think that he's getting revenge for her because he slept with her and thought she was a cool gal. But he's yeah. like, this is for Ferrari. <laughs> you left this with Ferrara, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> the Inspector Clouseau Italian man. He's more upset about that oh, guy. Oh, yeah, because he killed his contact. <laughs> it's like, I, we, we barely met him. Like, I forgot he was even a thing. But they knew each other from World War II. <laughs> he, he's, very, he's very mad that Roberto Benigni's been murdered. <laughs> no, not Roberto. He has more Pinocchios in him. I know uh, honestly, he, he deserves it for Life is Beautiful and Pinocchio. <laughs> and Pinocchio. <laughs> But that is the car kill, right? That's when he shoved Yeah, that's the, guy the car up. kill. <laughs> and they were debating whether or not to have it be Roger Moore kicking uh, the car down the cliff, which is what we see in the final movie, or whether him throwing the, the dove pin would be enough weight to tip it over. I kind of think if they should have left it being the the dove pin, because that Why? would have been a little bit more Bondian, at least for Roger Moore. I, I guess, but I've I've heard Roger Moore also say like this was not in character. This was too brutal, and it's like 
He's fucking James Blake. He kills people left and right. How is this any yeah, different? No, but there's a different there's there's a difference to the way Roger Moore kills somebody and like you know like another James Bond thing. I'm kind of think I'm like eh, it goes against the theme of the movie again because we already have like Bond mercilessly killing Blofeld in the beginning of the movie. He shoots a billionaire in the balls. He tortures a guy for information and then throws him off the top of a building. Where's Peckish? Pyramids! Ah! What a helpful chap. But he already yeah. tried to like shoot a missile at him. This was like, you know, he was mad because his best friend, apparently Roberto Benigni, <laughs> was killed outside of a hockey rink. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay. And also this goes against the theme of the movie because he's going like, hey, don't get revenge. Just you dig two graves. Fuck you. <laughs> that's for that's yeah, for no, my Italian again, friend. The whole issue of the movie is he's telling this character, don't do revenge. It's not cool. But all the coolest parts of the movie are when James Bond totally does. Revenge. Exactly. And with zero repercussion, like there's no toll at all in no. any way. No. <laughs> so it's like, how is it? How, why is revenge bad? <laughs> like, oh, God, I can't believe I raised the rating of this movie on Letterboxd. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my God. This is like our Thunderball review all over again. It actually, honestly, I find Thunderball and For Your Eyes only to be very similar oh, films yeah. with hey, similar so problems. You know strengths. what Thunderball has? What? The characters are actually underwater. It took me yes. a while, though. Oh, yeah. No, that I was going to bring that up. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Carol Bouquet was scared of water. She had sinus problems and couldn't be fitted with uh, gear, uh, diving gear. So they're like, well, that's more right, valid. We're going to shoot it in slow-mo <laughs> and blow a bunch of fans. And we're going to get like carbonated water, get plates of that and put it in front of like their mouths and noses. Which honestly, it kind of looks cool. It, it looks took, okay, it I you, think. Yeah, I, I like them. Yeah, you have to look, and then you go like, oh, wait, they're completely dry. Yeah, yeah. it's it's <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's kind of weird to do like a fake water thing for like the most basic fucking like, scuba the thing, diving is, like, thing there's, There are funny yeah. movies that do, you know, they call it dry for wet, but it's dry usually for, wet, for yeah. like model shots or whatever yeah. or like the shape of water like does it the close-up of your main actor with their hair blowing around so it's unusual yeah. it's like i was like why is this so crisp you know but then i'm like oh right. you know so that was kind of interesting <laughs> it looks cool different. yeah anyway uh also in this very serious movie uh he gets in a confession booth and yeah. he's there with a beard on forgive me father for i have sinned that's putting it mildly 007 yeah, he's a he's a priest. My favorite part of that, someone's pointed out, is like, what's a confessional doing in an Orthodox church? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there is. Maybe I'm ignorant. Wait, are, like, is, I don't know. I, I don't know up? about this. Uh, do, are, are confessionals only like a Catholic thing? They're generally associated with Catholicism. Yeah. I read this. Uh, this was a complaint someone had online. So I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I never thought about that. I, n I never thought about it, but I guess you're right. I, w I was half expecting uh, for uh, James Bond to put his dongle in the glory hole. Hey! You're talking about this as I'm shopping for more gondoles. Um, question. <laughs> question. Someone said, okay, it seems there is some idea of confession in the Orthodox Church, but all I'm getting is the theology. I'm not saying anything. You don't say it to the priest. You make it to God. So the whole phrasing is at least Catholic, I believe, in this scene. 
But someone pointed out online, they're like, this feels more like an M scene. And I'm like, in what world do you see Bernard Lee? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, no, like that would have been awesome if like you didn't see M the entire like beginning of the movie because he's and that's Ill. how he comes and back. And then his reveal is that he's in a confessional with a beard. That would have been fucking sick. <laughs> the final scene of Bernard Lee's end. Final it's scene is just like that's putting him out And he's like hammered. And then they lower him into the ground. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> he's like, I picked just up like my gravesite. Yeah, just like you. <laughs> You're so wacky. We love you. Yeah, Q's great. Um and then we got a, a wonderful scene where they're like disguised as monks, right? <laughs> like, yeah. They're completely like they're not inconspicuous at all. They're like, oh yeah, th- those are like secret agents and models. And <laughs> because what the dude is? Uh, is he already hiding out in that monastery? Because he got the code thing, right? He got what he needed from the submarine. It, yes. Okay, he got the MacGuffin. Yes, he has the he has the the panel from the thing. And he's up in a monastery, which is definitely a pretty wild location. Yeah, especially when they have a trampoline in it. I'm like, why did he take her? The setting for this climax, I feel like it's a nice change of pace from the evil layer. And I like that James Bond is climbing and the dove (laughs) makes a comeback. Oh yeah, the climbing stuff, like this is when it really goes gangbusters with the the editing, it's tense. Yeah, that's great. You understand what's happening with like the the hooks popping out and all that. Yeah, and and it keeps cutting back to Topol and he's Mm -hmm. singing and dancing (laughs) and it's wonderful and i look at my dvd player and i put in the fiddler on the roof dvd instead of for your eyes only i'm I'm, 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 I'm turning amazon prime off and just watching fiddler on the roof (laughs) crying actually since we're getting to this scene uh this had some behind the scenes oh yeah trouble uh so the location where that you know where they shot it at it's uh the home to all these uh monks that live in those mountains and they got permission from the greek government to film there and i guess a cut of that money for filming there didn't go to the monks so the monks were pissed that they were filming there and then they're just going like we don't want this filth being shot at our monasteries get out and they would like drape their monasteries and like crap to fuck up the shots and they were just being overall disruptive of the production and it got so bad that the Greek government had to get involved and figure out who actually had the jurisdiction to uh, allow filming in this location. And it turned out that the local jurisdiction actually was in charge. But instead of dealing with this, they built their own set. Nice. They should have just called uh, the Soviet Union. They they have a, a history of <laughs> you know, getting into trouble with the Orthodox Greeks. If there's anything that a Anglo-American production in 1981 wanted to do is bring in the Soviet Union to fix all their problems. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when the the villain is is trying to sell a, a MacGuffin doomsday device to the Russians. <laughs> no, I was I mean this movie arguably oh my god, is this the most 
Cold War Ronald Reagan James Bond movie. Absolutely, like it's insane. Like in the books, it's all about like those fucking Reds, yeah. all, all about the yeah. fucking Russians. This is like the first James Bond movie that's properly like where the bad guys are the Soviets, you know. But even still, not really because it's very well. Yeah, you, like yeah, they're it, working it, it, through a Greek still, man. <laughs> they're working through a Greek man, and then at the end. Bond throws the MacGuffin device off the cliff to make sure that the balance of power is even. Yes. Yeah, right in front of and Gogol. So, and then Gogol is just like, laughs and goes like, ha, 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 you're so right, James yeah. Bond. It's like when, when Harry breaks the Elder Wand. Wait, 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 <laughs> yeah. no. It's, what does James Bond, what's his one-liner? It's like, that's detente, comrade. That's detente, comrade. So it's not quite Reagan, because Reagan would go like, no, we're going to take this for ourselves. Reagan's like, we're going to put a laser in space. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he'd be like, we need that. <laughs> like, yeah, no, exactly. So this, is, this is actually a progressive film for uh, for the 1980s. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe I won't go that far, but... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I can't tell. Since we're at the point, and I guess I'll just make my point, there's a scene where James Bond fights a guy on a cliff. It's very well shot. Yeah. It's a, no, the whole climax, I, I feel like, is pretty solid. The whole like climax it. is really solid until we get to the point where there's any payoff, and then the movie commits its worst moment in the space of, like, three minutes where Julian Glover has the codes, and Melina has him in her sights, and she's about to get vengeance, and James Bond is like, no, what will... Well, this is a Batman quote, but what will vengeance solve? And then she's like, you're right. And then Topol just shoots him. Yeah. No, Julian Glover has a knife and is about to throw it at her. Yeah. And I'm like, you just killed this woman, bud. And if it wasn't for Topol coming in at the last second, your point would have been moot. Our golden rule. No one's allowed to kill except Topol. He and is James the Bond. Only and James, and James Bond. Bond. Topol has a license to kill. James Bond could drop a man down a chimney and kick a guy off a cliff. Yeah, we also thought Topol was dead. For a second, I thought Topol was dead, and then I was like, oh, that's kind of funny that, like, you, throughout this movie, you're like, there are two different villains pointing fingers at each other, and then neither, they don't kill either of them because they kill each other. I mean, they should have yeah. Reichenbach fall. That would have like, been yeah, more if interesting. If you were rewriting the movie... Molina has him in his sights, and James Bond's like, no, at least have Topol die in the process of killing him. And, like, they fall off the cliff, and you hear Topol go, yeah! why, why, why do you people want Topol dead so much? What is wrong because with you? Because he's too cool to live. Yes. <laughs> he's too good for and, us. And that's why he's dead now. Aw. Yeah. Well, I don't want him to actually die. Can I bring Topol back? Yes, you can, because this is 2021. He hasn't died yet. Yeah, I'm gonna pour things, Topol. Wait, I thought he died. <laughs> no, Jake, the bit. The oh, bit. he's dead in the future. In the future, he'll be dead. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I forgot. It's 2020. Oh, wait, that's right. We're recording these episodes the week they come out. This is the future of 2024, actually. <laughs> uh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Okay. Our timeline is so confusing. <laughs> It's okay. almost like uh, it's almost like we're in a James Bond movie with these timelines. Oh, we need to talk about if, you, if we don't have anything else to say about the climax. Um, wait, I think I did have one thing to say about the climax. I like the part where the guy falls off the cliff and we see him fall, and they're like James, and it's like no, it's just I know this guy, he sucks. 
It's just a guy. Okay. <laughs> Continue. And he's, a guy. and he's totally okay. His body is completely yeah, intact. Yeah, he's okay. He Melina doesn't kill him. It's fine. They threw the MacGuffin off a cliff. It's fine. Now Topol no can be cares. creepy to this underage child because that's the last time we see him. Oh, yes! <laughs> Crap! Wait, that's such a... <laughs> Did anyone else? He pulls a Lando. He's like, let's go find your family. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe I raised the rating of this move. Oh, no. <laughs> What did I do? But then the icing oh, yes. on so, the cake. We, yes, the, the climax was pretty cool, but this is the best post-climax scene, not just in the series, but of all time. <laughs> I, I thought of you especially when I was watching this part. I'm like, oh, Jan. I was, I had forgotten about it. So when she showed up, I, I just went, oh. <laughs> like, when we mentioned she, yes. They keep referring to the Prime Minister as she, and we mm -hmm. finally get to see who she is. It is none other than someone playing Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, Mr. Bond, I wanted to call you personally and to say how pleased we all are that your mission was a success. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Don't thank me, Mr. Bond. But it's like, it's not just like, Someone it's that's like a comedian like, playing cards. But it's like it's, it's not it's like just like it's we're suggesting that it's Margaret Thatcher. It's like, no, this is actually Margaret Thatcher. Like yeah. her her husband is Dennis Thatcher, and she's yes. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> and then she has phone sex with a parrot. <laughs> give us a kiss. Give us a kiss. Oh, well, really, Mr. Bond. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, Mr. Bond, give us a kiss. Give us a kiss. Oh, Mr. Bond. I could not believe what I was watching. Yeah, no, it's like it's like having uh, Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so wild. And go like, very good. I would. I love you too, James Bond. And to have not only Margaret Thatcher but her husband Dennis. The infamous drunk be like they're just drinking like what an oddly yeah he's he's hanging out in the kitchen <laughs> yeah they're just chilling like she makes a note that dennis is there she's like i'm with my husband dennis. no that's when it's like oh this isn't just supposed to be like a female prime minister this is Margaret. she's like oh hello dennis <laughs> it's like yeah it's like <laughs> they made her so would you like to talk about the falkland war james bond <laughs> let's date this movie as much as possible was a fuck on war? No, that was later, right? No, this is the beginning of Margaret Thatcher. This is her yeah. becoming so, prime so minister. So this was like 81. So literally yeah. like the next year w was the Falkland Wars. Yeah. No, it's just yeah. interesting that the second Britain got a female prime minister, the series is like, oh, look at that. Whoa, crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. From the mind of Ian Fleming. Yeah. And she's like doing the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like, she's a prime minister. <laughs> and it's just yeah. it's funny because they've never shown the queen. They're always like, the queen, we're patching you in the Buckingham Palace and they never show it. But Margaret yeah. Thatcher's kitchen is like, get that. Get that on cinema. It's so fucking weird, but it left me with, I mean, such a bland movie, but it left me with such a good taste in my mouth. Um, like, well, then it makes it even funnier because Q and the Twink are trying to disconnect the phone lines, but Margaret yeah. Thatcher's loving having sex with this she's parrot. Still, she's just uh, flicking her bean to this, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, parrot <laughs> right next to Dennis. 
Right yeah. next to Dennis, like, like oh, Mr. Bond. They're like, no, c- cut it off. It's a parrot. What do you <laughs> think parrot? Margaret Thatcher thought? Like, because she was like one of the most conservative fucking people. Like, what? Like, what was she making out of this? Well, was she, she just loves so? that James Bond kills. Yeah, that part's cool. It would have been really funny if they actually cast Margaret Thatcher and they just gave her, it, they gave her like a fake script. And they just like YouTube pooped it. Yeah. Together. When they make the next one, <laughs> it's just like you're, they make her say horrible like things about was, about you, trade unions. They give her the lines. You're like, okay, pretend that James Bond is hitting on you on the on the call, and then they don't tell her that it's actually a parrot. Yeah. <laughs> I've been great. I've seen a lot of Maggie impressions in my day, and this is up there. Like this was this pretty was good. Better, this was better than the Iron Lady. I'll say. Oh yeah, for sure. The Iron Lady. Yeah. That's not a good performance. <laughs> Can we talk about the the title drop for your eyes only? It's there. He's like, oh, you're not wearing a bathing suit, and she's like, for your eyes only, James. And I'm like, ha ha ha. For your eyes only, darling. Yep. Yeah. All right, we did. That it. happened. <laughs> anyway, for your eyes only. Uh, I can't believe it. We made it to the ratings. We, we <laughs> this has been a, the smoothest recording ever. All from, that we had no technical issues by really anyone. We're really perfecting the formula here, folks. Thank God that we had no drama while recording this episode. Like, my mic not working, Troy's computer pooping out five times, uh, my box home being worked on. You know, like everything your, went your smooth. Do, your dongle not getting up and then... My dongle uh, not getting up. No, no, no. This is our shortest episode ever because we were so efficient about talking about For Your Eyes Only, the most interesting movie of all time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, who wants to start? Yeah. Uh, Troy, would you like to start? Uh, is that a no? Yeah, okay, go ahead Jan. and start. Come back <laughs> to me. I'm just <laughs> So, um, this movie is screensaver cinema. It's a movie that you put in the background on a Sunday while you're cooking your steaks. There's nothing really great about it. There's nothing really bad about it. It's right in the middle. Five out of ten. The, the mole, um... Oh no! <laughs> did, you, did you did you forget about the mole during this movie? I kind of I kind of di- I was more focused on his wrinkles, to be honest. <laughs> That's the thing I have to say. Like the the mole the mole's not getting better, but everything else is getting worse. It's getting worse. Yeah. So. That's the issue. The mole ends up becoming a highlight as you go on. Just just uh, this man is is just getting his form is getting stretched out and recompressed in ways that I don't like and make me fear my own future. So, four out of ten. Okay. Uh, for your eyes only, uh, yeah, it is a very middle-of-the-road Bond movie. It tries to go back to the Ian Fleming formula, but it also has to be a classic cinematic Bond movie with all this uh, stupidness, and they don't quite have enough stupid moments to keep it up but it's also kind of uneven because even when they're trying to commit to this uh, story about revenge they contradict themselves every couple scenes it doesn't commit to anything to its themes to its tone like it's just there right it's it's just kind of shooting the scene the scenes by themselves are fine action scenes are fine everything is fine the villain is it's a normal thing with twist villains. There's like once you figure out that they're a twist villain, there's not a lot of development for them. So Christados is kind of one ear out the other, very much like this movie. 
I hate the score. Uh, this movie is neither one of the best Bond movies in like that Casino Royale 2006, Honor Magic Secret Service, Goldfinger Camp. It is not a Diamonds Are Forever, Man with the Golden Gun Camp. It is firmly in the middle. It is solid. Like you said, it's something you have on in the background. Like if you're watching uh, the Spike TV <laughs> James Bond Marathon <laughs> in 2005, you probably are flipping back to whatever football game is on <laughs> right at the moment and then coming back. It is a, if I'm going to be generous, I would say it's a three out of five, but I, it's probably a two and a half out of five. for me. Uh, the mole, much like the movie itself. I forgot it was there. <laughs> uh, yeah, five out of ten. That's pretty much it. This movie is pretty much like a Dragon Ball Z filler episode, mm -hmm. like one of the ones <laughs> where like Krillin's just yelling. You know, right. yeah, it's, it's yeah. one of those episodes where you, they throw two punches, and the punches are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like you can skip it. <laughs> like they're not gonna put it in the Kai version. There also, funny story about this: this was the last Bond movie I ever watched. This is the last one I got to. I didn't see this movie until I think I was in high school. I was going to say, it's interesting, Jake, because this may have been one of, if not the first one I saw when I was in high school. Wow. And maybe that explains something. But uh, I distinctly remember it was my good old uh, German exchange trip in high school. Shout out to Lucas, uh, number one James Bond fan. Come countries have you lived in i didn't live i that was only a few weeks but yeah well, I, shout out to my homeboy uh in munich he's a big well he's mainly a brosnan fan but we, i think we did watch this one too and really all i remembered about it from back then was was him climbing the thing which is definitely i think the centerpiece of this whole movie and apparently of uh john glenn's entire career <laughs> climbing and a bird jumps out uh, yep. <laughs> I must have just totally missed uh, some of the other wagginess, or maybe it didn't register. Yeah, as we mentioned, it's kind of it's odd that it's like we're going gritty. No, we're not. You know, you can't <laughs> shake Moonraker. It's just too good. That's why. So it's a big step down from that, that. pigeon. You, you, you can't shake that pigeon. You can't shake that pigeon. The pigeon shakes its own head. You know. <laughs> so got some wacky stuff, but a little sleepy, a little sleepy. And and like I, we mentioned before, it's funny that it's like we're gonna try to get some of those Honor Majesty Secret Service vibes back, but also we're gonna put no effort into this. Um, None of the craft that was in that movie. Oh, in the yeah. craft. Well, at yeah. least it is anamorphic this time, I guess. Sure. Like, but the romance is is like an afterthought. The the white demon Guy Hamilton is gone. <laughs> The romance is basically whenever James Bond is like, Melina, did you find that copy of the file I sent you? And then they just play for your eyes only under it. And they think that makes it romantic. And it's like, no, he's like her dad. And they're naked. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Can you believe there's this like new camp of like degenerate revisionist uh, pig uh, that says that for your eyes only is better than the spy who loved me. Yeah, that person no. seems wrong. But no, if I may give my view on For Your Eyes Only, this movie is frustrating because when I first saw it in my Bond watch through, it was very mediocre and I was very angry at all the tonal switch. And I hated 
that the woman is not developed. I hated the villain. I hated the gator subplot. I hated the Zamboni. I hated all this stupid bullcrap polluting this perfectly good revenge thriller. And I actually thought, like, watching it again, it was going to go lower. But then watching it again, like, the action scenes really work. Like, if yeah, you're watching good. this movie, John Glenn, like, brings a lot of zip. And it brings a lot of energy. And in the moment, you're like, this is exciting. Roger Moore is a reactive Bond. You're in wonderful locales. Everything's a bit more grounded. Everything's moving. It's not like Moonraker where you're just wandering around a grotto. And you get a little bit of that spy grit and you get Gogol. And you get a lot of fun stuff. But then you see the movie and then through shenanigans, you end up recording the podcast episode three days later. And then there's even more shenanigans. And you're really trying to marshal what do you remember of this movie? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, this doesn't know how to tell a story. It's like, you know, by, by the time you get to this point in the James Bond series, it's like a long marriage where like you've forgotten why you fell in love with your wife in the first place. You know? it's, like, it's like your dongle doesn't work anymore. I'm almost <laughs> yeah. feeling the opposite. Like I almost feel now when I go back and rewatch these movies, I've lowered my expectations. So now I'm like, wow, look at that skier jump. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's what James Bond does better than anyone else. Whereas yeah. the first time I watched these movies, I'm like, why can't she take revenge? What is wrong with that? Literally nothing. See, the irony is I agree with what you guys are saying, but it feels weird for me to, I raised it to five out of 10 on this three. Are, are you trying to say that you like it enough because it is competent enough that it's not bad no 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 i still don't like it five out of ten is still a bad movie to me but is it middle of the round bad or is it like mediocre bad where it genuinely doesn't know what it's i doing? wouldn't call it mediocre bad it's just mediocre yeah but like mediocre. i can't tell like the story doesn't work it's a movie like if I if I ever committed euthanasia, this is the movie that I would be asked to put on. You know, Ironically, just... I think that's what Brisson said. Yeah. Well. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just it's just calming and inoffensive and you have a good time. Yeah, I think that's kind of the issue. I mean, and that's the thing with James Bond, though, is you want to say it's calming and inoffensive. But then you remember the BB doll subplot. Remember, it's very offensive. Is this inoffensive? I don't know. I think doing a double feature of For Your Eyes Only in May, December may have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Now I'm like, what are you talking about, Troy? What wait, yeah, is what, what is that? that? That's a great movie. Like, that's a genuinely it's, good movie. It's a good movie. Like, yeah, yeah, I, good I movie. still yeah. need to watch it. Oh, it's very good. I'll watch it uh, three years in the future. Yeah, when it comes out on Netflix. Yeah, I plan on watching that good movie at some point. Yeah, at some point when we get Netflix. I think, all right, fine. I'll roll the dice and give it a five out of 10. I'll keep it at the raised rating because John Glenn did a good job on making the movie. He didn't fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. The mole, I'm giving an eight out of 10. I thought it was responsibly placed. Oh man, okay. but the Blofeld scene? Uh, what am I doing? What am I rating movies? No, the Blofeld scene anymore? is like one of the redeeming qualities here. We're, we're, we're really at the point in the podcast where we're just like, what are we doing? Yeah, what, what is this? I was at that point with uh, Diamonds Are Forever. I was like, I, I, this was terrible, <laughs> terrible idea for a podcast. Well, here's the thing is that we have like three more movies where it's basically going to be like, eh? 
And then we get to Dalton, and then there's a little bit of spice thrown in there. They're both directed by John Glenn, but there's a little bit more of the Dalton Welsh spice. Oh, Pier- Pierce. Save me, Pierce. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's, I think we've got some exciting stuff to come. <laughs> Pierce yeah, Brosnan no. met the Broccoli's on the set of For Your Eyes Only because his wife yes. was in the movie. So they introduced, and his wife, Cassandra, was such a cheerleader for him to play James Bond. Like she really was pushing him. Well, and, you look at Pierce Brosnan and it looks like he was bred to be that character. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan and, was born to play James Bond. He, he, you think James Bond, you think J- Pierce Brosnan, you know? Yeah. Pierce Brosnan was born to play two JBs, James Bond and Joe Biden. Oh my God. That would Whoa. be incredible. I know it would be his Oscar, <laughs> but would it be? Would it? Would he play the original Joe or the clone Joe? Both. We'll stage him for the original Joe, he and then he'll play the clone he could Joe. Do both. He can do both. It's going to be called the two Joes. <laughs> the two Joes, written by Robert Town. <laughs> yeah, written by no, Robert Town. Directed by Robert Davi, the director yeah. of My Son Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it, it will be oh, his Oscar. Don't even get me started because we have that to look forward to. The director yes, of Vice on Hunter is in License to Kill. Right it's going to be like the prestige. Like one Joe loves Hunter and the other one hates him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one boy. sleepier than the other. All that and more to look forward to. Thank you for bearing with us on this episode. We'll get through it together. We got some more mediocre to terrible Bond movies coming no, up, but don't. then it's going to be nothing but hits. The next one so, is good. Uh, that was this week's episode of You'll Only Listen Twice. I'm Jake. I'm Troy. I'm Jet. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs>